We say good morning to Sabrina Nanji from Queens Park Observer. Nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning, John. So one of the things everybody's talking about this morning, obviously, would be one of the measurably largest budget envelopes in the city of Toronto. And Toronto Police Service asked for and was granted by the police board almost $1.2 billion for the coming year. This goes to council on the 14th of February. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we we had kind of talked about it on the roundtable earlier this week, you know, that we can understand the the need for the police budget to go up. Like we all heard the chief say, you know, there's been a rise in hate crimes and carjackings. But I think that, you know, the big chunk of of these payouts to police come from salaries uh, and, and, you know, with negotiations, I think the number could be even higher. I think. One of the main things we need here really is transparency and accountability. Uh, you know, obviously the police budget is a, a complicated thing, but it's like the biggest ticket item in and Toronto is, is seriously cash strapped right now. So I think we kind of need a better dive uh, into like where exactly is this money going? Um, you know, I'm not a defund the police person, but I do think that, you know, having more focus on training for dealing with folks experiencing mental health crisis is important. I mean, do we really need a major mounted horse unit in this city? Um, I, I think it's not exactly how much is being spent, but, you know, how how it's being doled out specifically is is what's important and, and what we need to take a close look at in this city. And all of this, as you mentioned, amidst the backdrop of a rise in hate crimes. I don't know if there's anything, there's nothing debatable in all of that, but it is confirmation, I think, from the chief of police of just how tense things are in this city right now. Yeah, and you know the situation in the Middle East, of course, is is fueling uh, this in the immediate right now. And and I think you've you've pointed out earlier on the program that you know are people even really reporting hate crimes? I think the numbers in reality could be a lot a lot bigger than what we're seeing officially. Um, but it, it definitely feels tense in the city. I mean, just walking around, um, you know, if, if I was going to Aroma, which is by Queens Park, the other day, and you know, ha- having these protesters, you know, calling for boycotts of businesses. It's kind of like, it's it's like these things are happening across the world. Whereas, you know, how is this really being shaking out in, in Toronto? I think it's definitely giving people just anecdotally folks that I'm speaking with, uh, you know, it's making them feel scared and, and on edge. And so I do think that at least politically, this is probably a good time for the police to be asking for a bigger budget. I think, you know, publicly it, it's more palatable politically uh, at this moment. And one sidebar here yesterday, the chief on Failed a new uh, yamaka, basically that is uh, it's going to be a regulation yamaka. I don't know if an officer is going to re- wear that under their forage cap or in place of their forage cap, but uh, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I think this is something great. You know, why not? I mean, we talk a lot about how our police, especially in Toronto. Um, you know, tend to not be as diverse and there's always a need for more diversity. Uh, And so why not, you know, have something that complies with regulations in the same way that we would have, you know, a cop who wears a turban, for instance, and how that would have to comply with the rules. So I I think this is a great move uh, and, and it should be extended to, you know, all different cultures. You yesterday were covering a story, basically the latest budget numbers, and apparently Ontario has spent $2 billion less than planned in the first half of this fiscal year. So what's the takeaway there? 
Yeah, we get these reports from our budget watchdog in the province uh, every quarter, and they tend to kind of play out very uh, similarly. You know, uh, the opposition likes to say, point to the numbers and say, look, the conservatives are, you know, withholding much needed cash for health, education, you name it. Social assistance was the the major one uh, this quarter, while the the Ford government tends to spin it like this is just a, a snapshot in time and it comes with promises that they'll spend, you know, as much as they promise to spend by the end of the, the fiscal year. But I think what stood out to me in this report was the fact that the Ford government has, you know, pulled from its contingency fund, which is a major, you know, multi-billion dollar fund higher than in past years. And it's supposed to be, you know, technically for a rainy day, they have justified it by pointing to the uncertainty around the pandemic and recovery. Uh, but they're now dipping into these contingency funds uh, to to, to sort of pad what what they've promised for certain programs. So, you know, there's kind of some speculation that this is, you know, some fancy financial footwork on, on the part of the Ford government, having these big contingency funds, and then, you know, uh, th that sort of balloon the deficit. And then when, you know, it comes to election time, you can kind of use that to, to tamp it down and, and say we've balanced the books here. So take all of that with a grain of salt when you're looking at these numbers. But certainly there's a lot to dig into. Speaking of numbers, this is a bit uh, gobsmacking. Canada's population grew by more than 430,000 during the third quarter this year. So that's the fastest pace of population growth in any quarter since 1957. Worth noting, this is about temporary people, so students and migrant workers who are in the country. It's about natural population growth from people having babies, and it's about our inflated immigration numbers. Yeah, I mean, this is staggering. And I think that this is why we're uh, hearing from politicians that, you know, that the housing situation is a crisis and all these folks are going to be looking for somewhere to live. I know that at Queen's Park, you know, uh, Premier Doug Ford has sort of pointed to immigration as the need for him to be a bull in the China shop when it comes to the, the housing file. Um, but and, and it's not, you know, necessarily that all of these folks, especially international students, migrant workers will necessarily be buying buying a home. But of course, this contributes to, you know, what's happening in our in our rental situation. And so I think that this should really make politicians and policymakers sit up because it already feels like we're falling behind when it comes to the, the housing front. I think immigration is a good thing. You know, we need folks working here, studying here, contributing here, but there's got to be a place for everyone to live and for everyone to live affordably. Yeah, I like that that conversation is actually happening now, Sabrina, because we keep on saying we need to build houses because all of these people are coming and nobody ever asked the question maybe we could slow the the level of people coming to the country and get our housing situation under control yeah i think that's uh that's an interesting point but certainly it doesn't seem to be where these governments are going like no. people are coming and we need to be prepared for it and that has been kind of what the justification at queen's park has been of course there's been a lot of flip-flops on housing policies these days but the ford government has basically justified things like opening up the green belt, which is now moot, of course, but they're saying that this is the thing they need to do to, to get housing built. And so I do think that politically, this is creating like almost a perfect storm for the powers that be, not only at the province, but even at the federal level too. CP has named Pierre Polyev as the newsmaker of the year. Do you agree? 
I think it was a a very interesting choice. I'm sure the conservatives are happy about it, but I do think that it's, um, you know, it's, it's major and there, there are justifications for this. I mean, obviously, uh, Pierre Polyev and the federal Tories have been able to, you know, steal support for, from Trudeau. We're, we're maybe a long ways away from an election, uh, but certainly he's been able to contribute to the fact that the Trudeau liberals are, are tanking in the polls right now. He's been able to capitalize on the situation with inflation, cost of living. You know, he's done a very good job of holding the, the liberals to uh, to account. And uh, that seems to be resonating with folks. I mean, whether or not, you know, he can keep that momentum up uh, when it comes to election time remains to be seen. But right now, I think a lot of liberals are shaking in their boots a little bit and are wanting to mount more of an attack against Pierre Polyev and the, and the conservatives. Good to have you this morning. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Sabrina Nangie at Queen's Park Observer. And always worth noting when it comes to Newsmaker of the Year, it's not the Nobel Peace Prize. It's a designation of somebody who made news in the year. And arguably, Pierre Polyev cemented his progress as a prime minister in waiting.